I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the Celtics Blog podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. I'm joined by my boy, Mr. Brendan Nunes. What is going on, Brendan? Not too much, man. It just started raining here recently. I'm out in California. Um, not a big fan, especially with this puppy that's got a stupid amount of energy. Makes walking her a little more difficult. What, what weather you got going on there? It's been raining for days, dude. I don't remember the last time it was for years. For, de- for years, it's been raining. My, it's the story of my life, dude. You moaning? How long has it been raining? Like an hour, twenty minutes? More like thirty hours. Excuse you. That's nothing, dude. I, what, what do we think Boston weather is? I, I got it, it pulled up front? right here, actually. Yeah, no, yeah, take a guess. Take a guess. Yeah. I'm saying raining. It looks like it is raining tomorrow. And tomorrow is going to be 37 degrees of a high, but today's 57. Boston seems to be all over the place. What is it oh. where you're at? Um, where I am here is 51 today. What do you got? This is Fahrenheit, by the way. Okay, so uh, let me do the calculation. It's 10 Quick degrees math. Celsius. So 10 degrees C in F. Can hear you calculating. It's 50. 50. Wow. This is the closest I think we've ever been. Yeah. So it's, it's, not, it's not cold, dude. It's just wet. You yeah. know, like it's been, it's been raining for days. Uh, it's wet here too. Yeah, man. I mean, maybe, maybe I'll just secretly move stateside and nobody knows. You know what else is wet? What's yeah, that? Yeah, Neesmith's jumper. Oh, we dude, see I tomorrow. see tomorrow. You were Pritchard's... a little scared when I asked that question. <laughs> Peyton Pritchard's jumper looks smooth as well. From um, Have you seen the the practice highlights that the Celtics released the other day? Yeah, man, there's so much Peyton Pritchard hype. I'm kind of buying in, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, dude, he just looked like he's like hardcore competing. Like He was d up on everybody. Uh, he was standing in guys' grill no matter what. Like He looked like he was genuinely playing to win, not just playing to play. He wants minutes, dude. You can see yeah, and he's going to fill that potentially third point guard spot. You know, I think you're going to see a lot of run from him. Um, I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast, and he said something on there that uh, kind of blindsided me a little bit, and I'm curious what you think. He said that talking about the Celtics' backup point guard position, or maybe it wasn't Zach Lowe, and it might have been Tim Bontemps who was on there as well. Excuse me for getting it wrong. It was one of the two. That pretty much the Celtics had a direct downgrade from Brad Wanamaker to Jeff Teague. Um, and I was like really surprised by that and looking at the numbers of it. So like last year for Teague, which was a weird year, right? Switching between Minnesota and Atlanta, two teams, not really in a winning environment. Um, but 25 minutes, 10 points a game, five assists, 43% from the field, 36% from three, not bad. And then you look at Wanamaker's year, 6.9 points. I know that, you know, you probably need less offense, I guess, but um, 2.5 assists. This is in 20 minutes, so five less, but 44% from the field, 36% from three. Obviously, led the league in free throw percentage, uh, but on low volume. Like, what do you think of this Teague being a direct downgrade from Wanamaker? I think it's close. I don't see it as a downgrade. I see it as a bit of a more of a lateral move. Wanamaker is probably going to give you more defensively than what Jeff Teague is. Jeff T is yeah. going to give you more penetration as well compared to what Wanamaker is going to be able to do. And Jeff T can create off the dribble. He can create his own shot and he can incorporate others off the dribble, which is something that I didn't really feel confident with Wanamaker doing. Wanamaker can spot a pass and pick a pass, but he 
in my opinion, always struggled to do so at speed and had very poor decision-making on the break. Now, I think Wanamaker was a, like a really undervalued second-floor general on that team, like a point, second guard off, you know, first guard off the bench. There we go. But I do think that Jeff Teague's going to give them that little bit more offensive firepower that they needed. I see it more lateral. You gain in offense, you lose in defense. I don't see how it's a clear downgrade, though. I'm with you there, actually. I think you're spot on. Like, definitely offensive upgrade and defensive downgrade and probably about marginal in both sides that it evens out. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised. Obviously, he's on the older end. I mean, Brad Wanamaker's not young. He's actually, wow, they have one year between them. Yeah, my wow. big thing is it's one year in age, but there's so much years in terms of NBA experience. That, yes. And that's what you need. That's what the Celtics needed. They needed more NBA experience on that bench. They struggled really hard last year, especially because of Wanamaker. Um, sometimes he could go, well, not just Wanamaker, actually. The bench in, in itself could be stagnant, and that was a big issue. So I was calling for a vet going into free agency, and I feel like Jeff Teague is definitely an upgrade in terms of experience for that bench unit as a whole. Yeah, definitely. And they also were mentioning, which I think makes a lot of sense, obviously, that the defense probably still be there this year with losing Gordon. Um, but the offense is where you're going to take a hit. And if there's no creation or struggled creation from from Tatum, and especially with Kemba out for a while, mainly talking about with Kemba's not available to be on the floor, that you know, Celtics offense could get a little stagnant. I, I don't trust Jalen really to kind of be the primary initiator uh, at least all too often, there's there's going to be moments where he's kind of able to, but I think that Jeff Teague can play that role in a bench lineup a lot better than Wanamaker can. Yeah, it's just going to come down for me to creation and facilitate. Um, like When I say creation, I'm not meaning creating for others. It's being able to create for yourself off the dribble. And then facilitation, being able to be able to kick out to guys off the drive now. I've spoke about this before. I went back and watched every Jeff Teague pick and roll play, which is where you're going to expect to see some form of facilitation, uh, hitting those swing passes to the corners or finding the trail man or the lobs for the roll man. And Jeff Teague generally likes to do it all himself once he gets his defender on his hip. I'm hoping that because he's going to be surrounded by such an upgrade of talent in terms of the rest of the Celtics roster and their ability to hit shots, that we'll start to see some facilitation. But I definitely feel like if the ball's in Jeff Teague's hand, there's always the possibility of a bucket. He's going to be able to get his own separation for his own shot. And hopefully he won't be ball greedy enough coming off the pick and roll and will show some playmaking in that aspect. I do feel like most of his assists came in the open floor last year. When it comes to Jalen being that second guy, because obviously Tatum's the number one, and I, th I think that the improvement for him is obvious this year with the finishing, right? Would you agree with that one? Yeah, finishing around the rim. Yes. Yes, no doubt. And we like started other aspects, that. but that takes him to another level. Yeah, I mean, we started seeing his ability to finish around the rim start to flourish towards towards February. When he went on that all-star run, just after he made the all-star team, we started seeing him become a lot more reliable laying the ball up around the rim. But mm -hmm. then he started to incorporate that floater into his game. And it kind of took him a few steps back because it wasn't falling. And you could see he was trying to figure out the range that he needed and the body control and how, how soft he needed to release that floater. And uh, it was frustrating, but I think once he gets that floater in his bag, then he can really focus double down on his, um his pick and roll ball handling and creation out of the pick and roll. I was a big floater guy when I played, by the way. That's because sure. you're short though, dude. 
Yeah, no, it's the classic, you know, white, white little point guard move. You had to float it nonstop. And, you know, I swear I took all my moves from Rondo. I definitely had that fake layup, too, you know, where you, like, say you're driving on the left side of the hoop and you go up with your right hand and show it and then turn reverse pivot and then do a little push shot. It's nasty. It's totally Gordon Hayward. And, uh, yeah, Tatum adding a, a floater to his game would do a lot that, like you mentioned, he was experimenting with or finishing. But for Jalen, I think the path of – like the most crucial improvement is less clear. I think there's a couple of things you could point to, um, you know, maybe getting a change of pace a little more or the playmaking or consistency on the free throw. Like, but is there anything that stands out specifically to you with Jalen that it's like, okay, this is the improvement I want to see this year. So for me, brands, a play finisher. He, I want to see him creating for others. I want to see him, be able to get some separation for his own jump shots as well. Cause at the moment, those jumpers he gets usually come on an assist. He he'll position himself really well off ball and then catch a pass and then fire away. I want to see him start to create some separation for himself. If he wants to pull up from the mid range or from, from the wing. And then I also want to see him given a little bit more responsibility in terms of ball handling and pick and roll running the pick and roll because I think if you can have Tatum and Brian both take that step forward as playmakers and both add distribution into their game and we've seen Tatum start to do that Brian didn't really have the opportunity because in terms of playmakers he was what the fourth fifth option behind Tatum Walker Haywood Smart but if we can see that from Brian I think that's going to open up his game so an ability to create his own shot and an ability to set the plate for other guys will force the defenses to think a little bit more and hopefully he'll be able to catch them sleeping. Yeah. It feels like to me for Jalen, I'm totally with you. There's also another level of the game slowing down for him that could happen. I think his body's a little bit ahead of his head sometimes just judging from, from what I see, you know, he looks like he has ideas and maybe jumps the gun a little bit or, I think his his basketball understanding and picking his spots will improve as he gets even more additional He's, reps. I've always seen his brains running faster than his body. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's exactly what you said, but swapped around. And I just feel like he he knows what he wants to do, but he doesn't get the message sent to his muscles quick enough sometimes. And uh, then he ends up like having to drop his shoulder and bully his way down the lane to the rim. Yeah. Either way, but, be, but recognizing it's a good thing, and he could totally get there. You know, oh for sure, dude. He's got the basketball IQ. It's just figuring out how to put himself in positions to make those ideas work. You know, everybody can think, "Oh, I want to, I want to pick the ball up on the wing. I'm going to jab step, fake shot, and then drive." And then if your jab step's weak, then that fake's going to get stripped, or no one's going to bite on it, and that drive isn't there no more. And yeah. I've seen that happen to Brian a few times, like. He's gone for whatever move he was trying, whatever setup, but the defense hasn't bit on it because he's the first execution or the second execution in that chain hasn't been executed correctly. And then that whole that whole idea is had us broke down and now he needs to move the ball on and a scoring opportunity is gone. And you've probably wasted four to seven seconds on the clock. And you're flustered, like understandably. And then I think on defense, and this applies to the offense too, he just needs to be a little bit more predictive rather than reactive. And that's just going to come with a little bit of time. I know it's been a, a few years for Jalen at this point, but still totally improvement to be done. And I think that'd be super helpful. And uh, yeah, I mean, taking over some of that offensive load, I think that another guy that this, my prediction, he's going to be the hype of the preseason man is, uh, is time Lord. 
I think that having him out there as another guy that, you know, I, I, he's the only big that I can imagine giving it to him on the elbow and running cuts and like expecting him to be able to hit those cutters. You know, I think they could really utilize that playmaking and he's another offensive option, obviously above the rim. He gets, gives them a different aspect there. I think he could be a really interesting answer to where do they diversify their offense? Bro, I'm so big on Robert Williams passing, especially in the short roll, the high block, the high post, sorry. I feel like he's going to be a really big um, key for them in terms of being able to run as a hub, kind of like what, what, and not in, at this level, but kind of what Denver does with Jokic, right? Like yeah, I can, thought of Al Horford. Yeah, similar thing, similar idea. You can run them as like a, a pivot point on the block and you can get everybody moving around them, cutting, run some corner split actions. And you know that your big man on the post, on the block, sorry, is going to be able to find the cutter. The one thing I do say is, the difference between where between Rob Williams and guys like Jokic and Horford is a reliable pull-up jumper from the mid-range. Because if you've got that reliable pull-up, then defenses have to respect that too, which then means they have to play you a little bit closer so there's more room to get in behind them on your on your off-ball cuts. Yeah, totally. I, I think that it could be a very interesting aspect to the game. And with Thompson missing time at the beginning, I think uh, Time Lord can get a really good opportunity. He's definitely going to get some minutes this year. Yeah, and the more he can show early, the harder it will be for Brad Stevens to leave him out. I put a tweet out about this a few days back saying one of the biggest questions for me isn't where Time Lord starts the season in the Celtics big man depth chart. It's where he finishes the season in that depth chart because at the moment he's up unequivocally the third guy right it goes thompson tice time lord yep where's he it's kind of 1a 1b between the two of them but he's clearly third and then my question is he's obviously talented enough to become that second big off like that second big in the depth chart Mm -hmm. but what does he need to do to to oust daniel tice what does he need to do that brad stevens is like Rob Williams needs more minutes than Tice does at this point because Rob Williams brings more to the floor than Tice. And it's that level of development that you need to start looking at because both of those guys go into next summer with, um, I think it's team options available on both of them. I might be wrong. I'll double check. But both of them are technically flirting with free agency at the end of next season. Yeah. um, Double check those. I think Tice might be coming up. But... um... Yeah, I think that it, it that he is going to get that opportunity, obviously. And yeah, it's it's definitely a make or break year, like you're saying. So that's that's where I would look for a little bit of excitement, especially from this preseason. You know, you're going to see most guys play, and obviously, Neesmith and Pritchard will be fun. Um, but Time Lord probably gets the most excitement, I'd say. He's got a little bit of a cult Twitter following. He's he's going to be the Twitter conversation, I'm telling you. Did you happen to catch any of this Charlotte game? Yeah, I didn't catch much of it, to be honest. It was been my daughter's birthday this weekend, so um, basketball kind of took a back seat for me. I caught some highlights of the mellow ball, um, and they're the highlights that anybody that's been over social media for the last 24 hours has seen. But outside of that, no. I did check the box score because I wanted to see how Haywood performed. He did really good, actually. I, I know it doesn't look super impressive with, you know, 20 minutes, 11 points, four rebounds, two assists, uh, 50% from the field and three, a couple free throws. 
But uh, I definitely realized very early in that game, like, oh, whoa, this is Gordon Hayward's team. Like, he's the best guy. He's the, I mean, he's the max player on this team now, you know? He actually is back to being the guy again. And that's interesting. I'm like, I'm happy for him. I, I think I understand why he wanted an increased role. You see that stat line that he had, we're saying like it's nothing special, but that's what he was averaging on a quiet night in Boston. And sometimes he'd be the best guy on the floor at that moment in time as well. I, I wish him nothing but the best, honestly. Like I know some people have got a bit of a sour taste in their mouth just because of how his tenure unfolded and how he left. But me personally, I feel like, look, man, you got a ridiculously good contract. So you get to go and be the man. Um, I feel like the passing ability between himself and LaMelo Ball is going to be really interesting this season. And there's enough firepower that they can arguably make an ape seed. Uh, I'm happy for him. I think that he's going to... I'd be very shocked if he, if he stays healthy this year. I'd be very shocked if he didn't make it to, as an all-star in the East. I am 100% with you. And I think they are very real contenders for the eight seed. I think that I'm going to really enjoy watching Charlotte basketball. I think Celtics fans would, assuming that, you know, you're rooting for Hayward, as you should. He he had a, he was dealt a terribly unfair hand. The injury that first game was just watching it. I will never forget that experience. So living it must have been something insane. And, yeah, I mean, just rooting for Gordon. And I think, you know, watching Terry is fun. Um and yeah, LaMelo, obviously a great passer. He didn't even score in his debut. I think Charlotte's going to be a lot of fun. They also went on like a 22 or somewhere between 22 to 26 run in the first quarter and then still ended up losing the game by 11. I think by halftime, the lead was already back in Toronto. So, but preseason, only so much to take from it. It was just very, it was very predictable. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're seeing everybody on these rosters play, except for maybe the very end of the bench. And I think it's going to lead to, like we said, exciting minutes for for Time Lord. I think obviously you're going to see Pritchard and Neesmith, and those are probably the three I'm keeping the closest eye on. Yeah, so the biggest thing for me was Pritchard was already back in practice after dislocating his finger the day before. And he, by all, all the reports that have come out across social media since, he wanted to play just after he dislocated his finger, like he didn't want to miss any any practice time. So I'm expecting that he's going to be chewing off Brad Stevens' ear saying, look, coach, I want to play. I want to show what I can do. I'd be shocked if we don't see a little bit of Taco Fall and Tremont Waters, just because, again, this is a chance to see where these guys are at against other NBA-level competition. And look, the quality of the basketball, it's preseason. So if you're expecting this like fully polished performance off any team like uh you're going to be sorely mistaken i feel like i made that mistake when i turned on the lakers game the other night and then um i was about three four minutes in i was like oh yeah this is definitely preseason basketball yeah i've seen so many air balls over the last few days oh, oh dude man. it's been a joke i mean I, I wanted i went back and watched a lot of obi toppins minutes because uh i kind of got this sneaking suspicion that he's going to be ridiculously good in the east this year and i don't know mm-hmm. why um, so I'm going to keep an eye on Obi Toppin. But even that was like, I, I don't know what I went in expecting, but what I walked away with was like, this is preseason basketball. These guys are not meant to be making all their shots at this point. Yeah. I also, uh, yeah, the random note, I think RJ Barrett might suck as a shooter. He had a really rough shooting night. I am overreacting to game one of preseason, but he's also not been a good shooter before. You know who has though, and has shown up in preseason before Carson Edwards. And, you know, if Carson Edwards comes out and hits five threes, 
you start to get a little hyped again. You were kind of leading this Carson Edwards as the backup. Dude, I was for the, a little while. I was literally the captain of the Carson Edwards hype train. I was waiting for people at the station. I was doing the choo-choo horn on the train. Like I was number one for Carson yeah. Edwards to succeed. So, so is the train still waiting there or have you just completely gotten rid of it? So I said, I don't know where trains go to when they're not running the track, (laughs) but wherever that is, that's where that train is. And it's got some, I have no clue either. (laughs) Wherever trains go when they're not at work, this is where our Carson Edwards train is. And it's covered in cobwebs. Um, No, I'm not going to buy into it again. I will say though, touching back on what you said about Jane and Brian earlier, where it's like the idea is there, but the body doesn't react. I feel like that's Carson Edwards too. Like his body's just going so fast and he operates at full speed constantly that it's just not working out for him. And he's another guy that I went back and watched every jump shot that he had from last season out of curiosity. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, dude. So I think it was like 75 to 80% of them front rimmed out. And I'm not saying front rim is like the front of the rim, like pointing out to the highest point of the three point line, just wherever he was, the, the piece of rim in his eyesight, I'd class that as the front rim, and 80% of them hit that before going out. So to me, that's either um, a fatigue issue or a strength issue on his pull-up jumper. And if it's a strength issue, I don't know how much more muscle you can add to those fights. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, it, it'll be interesting. Definitely not like fully selling on him. I think the idea of him as this bench spark plug was – Always a little bit of a long shot, um, but yeah, I mean, he he could show out. I mean, the I biggest give... issue is he doesn't bring much other than scoring. Like you're never going to ask him to be a pocket passer after drive to hit hit guys with dumb paths and hit his roll man with nice little pocket passes. Yeah, you're never going to ask him to facilitate plays from splits or from pistol action. You're always going to run him as the guy that you want to end up with the ball in his hands to take the jump shot at the end of a play. And if he's not making those jump shots, he brings no value to an NBA roster. For sure. I think the development would be shooting off movement and quickly lining himself up. Because if that Celtics bench roster had a reliable 37% shooter that shot three of them a game off the bench, um, off movement like that, even if he is 5'11", like Celtics do a great job of hiding guys. And if it's just bench lineups that he's going against, like, he could be valuable. I'm not the most optimistic it happens, but there, there's a path to it. Well, that's why they brought in Neesmith, right? Because Neesmith's meant to be that guy that can shoot off movement and shoot exactly. straight off the catch. Like, and actually uh, guard people with a ridiculous wingspan and seven inches on Carson Edwards. <laughs> it's true, dude. Um, but it's, that's what you need. And the problem with Carson Edwards is he has to be a stationary shooter. So you can't run him in motion offense like that. You can't ask him to be part of a pistol action and then peel off a secondary screen and catch the ball and fire away because he hasn't made himself stationary. And teams know that if Carson Edwards sitting on the wing or he's sitting in the corner, you don't really shade away from him too much because he's liable to score on you from deep. So they just play him close. And then, you know, if they're closing out on him, he doesn't seem to react well. He seems to rush his shot. If He's they're not finishing over people with a foot on him. Yeah, and then if he does, if he feels confident, I still feel like his shot's not great. I, I'm just a question: How you fit him into an NBA level offense, especially motion offense? You know what, train? We can pick up from the mysterious uh, place. I don't even know what the heck to call it. Is 
the Tremont train. I'm all aboard this one. Give me Tremont minutes over Carson Edwards for sure. So my pro- my problem is that if you've drafted Peyton Pritchard and then Carson Edwards is your two-way guard, then Carson Edwards will only get real meaningful minutes when one or two of the guards are sitting out for a game or there's an injury. I just don't think we're going to see much Carson time during the regular season, at least. Yeah. Um, there isn't garbage time or forced due to injury or um, load management. Yeah, regular season, I think we probably don't see either of Carson or Tremont. Um, and, and hopefully we fine. don't see Taco. Yeah, hopefully. Actually, I mean, you know, there's a chance that we do end up seeing some of these guys because, you know, it's just going to be a wonky year with COVID and things like that. Like, I'm trying to – I'm going to lock in my season standings predictions before regular season starts. And so one or two of these, at very least, are going to be wildly thrown off by some COVID complication. It's just bound to happen. Um, but depth's important this year, and Celtics don't have the greatest depth. Uh, I, I would give anything to have Romeo Langford healthy and be like the feature guy right now in this preseason. Yeah, so, um, so real talk now. I've been playing some 2K because I've had a few days off work. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know about everybody else, but for me, 2K is a good way of talent evaluating <laughs> before the season starts. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, so I've been playing some my league, and I've made a few moves. I've got Romeo Langford as my seventh man off the bench. And um, dude, the, the guy kills it off drives, man. Um, he's averaging for my two K game, uh, sixteen points, four assists, and five rebounds a game. You need to send any of these stat lines. I mean, obviously, I, his usage off the bench is ridiculous to get those numbers, you know. But um, well, and I know this. Gotta do. Yeah, and I know this is like computer games and stuff. But if no, Romeo, could, yeah, this is, it feels real at the time. I tell you that. But um. If this is one of those things where, you know, Romeo can come back and he can show upside as a slasher and show a little bit of facilitation and shot creation, as well as keep that same intensity on D, I feel there's going to be a real rotation spot for him. And I feel like Danny Ainge is definitely high on him. Yeah, I think Brad trusts him, which at at times, like enough to put him out there on a short leash. But just to put him out there is a lot more than you can say for some other guys. Like, I, I think he does have reliable defense and that's definitely what's going to get brad and danny to really like these guys um so yeah but you know there's only going to be so much we can take from these preseason games so i think you're just going to get a little bit of i i mean twitter loves taco or i'm sorry they do love taco but time lord and i think that you're going to get a lot of time lord minutes so i don't know expect like 20 from jason um jaylen and and smart and then yeah, I mean, you're just going to get a lot of these bench guys that you can get excited for some Javante Green slams from Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, another thing that I'm noting as well is this is going to be good practice for the games that Kemba Walker sits. And I feel like even when he's healthy, they're going to really manage his um, his game time in the regular season now. So they have as close to a full strength Kemba Walker as possible once the playoffs come. Yeah. So I feel like this is a really good time to see how some of the other guards perform along with the guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, whether that be Jeff Teague, whether it be Peyton Pritchard. The question I've got for you is, do you see any world where Peyton Pritchard prizes away Jeff Teague's spot as the first guard off the bench when Kemba's healthy? No, I don't. Um, I think that Pritchard's going to take some adjustment time. Me too. But there is going to be a world somewhere in the multiverse of the NBA, just like in Marvel, there's a multiverse. 
that Peyton Pritchard develops into the rookie of the year, and I'm all for it. The same world that has Romeo Langford averaging like 15 and 5. Yeah, it's called NBA 2K World. That's what it is. Yeah. Now, seriously, though, I feel like Pritchard, um, I feel like social media is kind of building a hype train for him. And I hope that it doesn't create unnecessary expectations for a guy that's a fourth year guy out of college that's going to be adjusting, that has his limitations athletically. I hope that everybody just kind of accepts him for what he is and gives him that room to grow without too much of um, a bashing when he has a bad performance. Yeah, to be straight up, I mean, Neesmith too. Like, rookies suck. And with this shortened uh, prep time they've had, they probably are going to look really rough out there, not understand the system. You're going to see Brad get on them. You're going to see Smart get on them. Like, they're going to be very rough. But it's just part of the process. Yeah, I mean, we all want to see rookies come in and be the best they can be. You know, you want everybody wants to draft a Jamarant. That just, or a Donovan Mitchell that just comes in and smashes it. But it's not realistic to expect that. And in my opinion, I'd much rather them make mistakes and be given the rope to make those mistakes early in the season. So when their number is called later, when the games actually mean something, they're prepped and they know where they need to be. They know their spots and they feel confident that if they do mess up, they're not getting yanked on the next play. Yeah, and I think that Brad does a good job of experimenting throughout the year. Um, so usually I feel like that happens. And yeah, for the rookies at the beginning, I, I think there's while they're going to suck most of the time, there's going to be fun flashes. And I think the fans can kind of hold on to that as to become more consistent. Um, that's you know what separates any good player from a great player is really just consistency um, and also terrible players from just good players and rookies are going to have to go through all those steps as they learn the league and learn where to pick their spots when they're not, you know, the level of guys coming in, like what you've mentioned, but it's going to be preseason. There's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of those flashes um, from rookies, second year, third year guys. I'm excited. I am. By the time we guys and girls hear from us again later this week, we're going to a scene preseason game one and we're going to know more about where everybody's at in terms of fitness, in terms of skill, in terms of prepness, preparedness, prepness, preparedness, which one, which one? Preparedness. Preparedness. Yep. I got I both think. of them wrong. Yeah. This is the train situation all over again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like we're going to have a much better idea in a few more days. So everybody, if you're listening, make sure you leave that five-star written review. Go follow myself at Adam Taylor NBA on Twitter and Instagram. Go follow my boy Brendan at Brendan Nunez NBA on Twitter and Instagram. We're very creative with our handles. Oh, yeah. And we will catch you again on Wednesday. Now, it will be a bit of a later release due to my time zone, and I'm not recording a podcast at 4 a.m. It's just not happening. So we'll record it once Brendan wakes up in his time zone because Brendan sleeps most of the time I'm awake and I sleep most of the time Brendan's awake. Anyway, true. you will catch real quick, us real quick, real quick. Sorry, over under one and a half dunk, uh, Javante uh, green dunks. I'm taking the over. Over? Yeah, it's probably over. I'm with you. Is there a way over option? Over, over two and a half? You think he goes three plus? Yeah, I think three is a good number. You think two and a half is more of a solid over under point? Yeah, I think you're sending him short, to be honest. Yeah, probably, huh? I'm disappointed. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. I appreciate that because that's going to be a tweet. There we go, then. All right, guys, we'll catch you again on Wednesday.